I still remember one class in 10th grade where my teacher told us to take out a piece of paper and uh, to begin to answer some questions. And he started listing the questions. At first we didn't understand exactly what he was getting at, but it began to make sense as he asked the questions. Um, what do you plan to do with your life? Do you plan to be married? Do you want to have children? If so, how many? And he asked us a list of questions like that and just had us, gave us time to write in the answers on our piece of paper. Now he said, fold it up, and he handed a box of envelopes around the room, and he said, put it in the envelope, seal it up. On the outside, I want you to write three dates. The one was three years from our 10th grade year, so we would have just been graduated. One was five years, and one was 10 years down the line. He told us to open it up when we got to those dates. And I, I put mine away in a safe place, and I can tell you I did open it up after three years and after five years. And it's interesting to see how God was preparing me as a 15-year-old in 10th grade, what he created to do in my life. And I was focused on following him. I can tell you that I know I wrote down being a youth pastor. My youth pastor was a guy named Mike Allen. I wanted to be like Mike. And, uh, and I didn't have a call to ministry at that stage in my life when I was 15, but I did later. And nine years after I wrote that in 10th grade, I was married, had a baby, and I was serving as a youth pastor. God had wired me for that, and I recognized how I was made or what I was made for enough as a 15-year-old as a to write it down and then God began to fulfill what he was preparing me for. He called me, got me to my education, got me through all that, and put me in a place where I was basically living my dream, if you can call that. Rob, if you can call it that. Okay. <laughs> and on this graduation Sunday, I, I want to make clear to our young people that you're not too young to understand part of what God is already doing in your life. I want you to know that. Um, I want the, the children to know that. God doesn't have like a minimum age where you start to understand this. He can, he can call you, he can speak to you, he can guide you at any age of your life. And it's really true for all of us. <laughs> he doesn't have a maximum age either, right? You, you may think, well, I'm getting up there in years. He could still call you to do something new, different in your life. Don't, don't close that off. Don't turn down the volume knob on God's voice and say, oh, I think I'm too old for him to put me anywhere new or have me do anything different. There's not a minimum, minimum age. There's not a maximum age. Dr. Henry Blackaby in his book Experiencing God says that there are seven realities of experiencing God. And these seven realities identify the ways that God works with a person or with a family or in a church to involve them in his activity. And beginning today, I'm going to bring a sermon on each of these seven realities. And the first one, you can see, number one, God's work. And I've titled today's message, God at Work. And today we're, if you're reading through the book Experiencing God, we're in chapter 6. So I have bifocal lenses in my glasses. 
the upper lens helps me see things that are far away. The lower lens helps me see things that are near. And to understand the Bible, you need that bifocal view of the world and of history. The upper story, the long distance is, is seeing God's story, where he's on the throne of eternity. He's sovereign over everything. And then the lower story is where we live. It's, it's our lives. It's the places where, where God is at work in us. And his story is played out here on the earth. It's lived out through us in the day by day. And this grand story, this lower story, seems so grand and big to us. It's, it's your life and it's mine. And to examine the Bible closely, you're going to need those bifocal lenses where you see the upper story, what God is doing sovereignly over the whole world, and the lower story where you and I walk, where we live our lives. And if you take a step back, you see this amazing tapestry of how the upper story is influencing the lower story and how they're intertwined together. And God is at work in that place. God's been actively involved in human affairs throughout history. In his sovereignty, he is orchestrating history. And, and I like to say it this way. If you're taking notes, write this down again. I know I've said it before, but history is his story. History is his story. And the Bible is filled with accounts where the upper story and the lower story intersect. And we're going to go to one of those in our scripture today. Jesus, God in the flesh, is on a journey to Jerusalem, but he walks through the city of Jericho where he encounters a wealthy man named Zacchaeus. We're in Luke chapter 19. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Now, when Luke wrote that account, when people heard he was a chief tax collector, if it was a melodrama, it'd be like, boo, boo, hiss, right? Like, he was a really bad guy, okay? He wasn't an IRS agent. That's not as bad, okay? He was a chief tax collector for the Romans, and that was really bad. And he was wealthy. And he wanted to see who Jesus was. But being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him in the tree, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this Man, too, is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. When Jesus passed through a crowd, he was always looking for where the Father was at work. It wouldn't be a bad prayer to start your day, Lord, what are we doing today? Mm -hmm. And when you get into a crowded place, when you're around a lot of people, 
to just look up and say, God, I'm here. What's next? See, gathering a crowd was not the goal. But within that crowd, there were always people that God already knew had needs and situations in their lives that could be addressed by someone who was connected to God that he could help them say the right things and do the right things that would touch their lives. In our scripture today, Jesus is walking through the busy streets of Jericho, intent on reaching Jerusalem. He's headed toward the cross. He understands that. And even though he was only passing through, he noticed Zacchaeus in a tree. I wonder if it's like the, the father just kind of put a spotlight up in that tree because he could have missed him, you know, if there were a lot of leaves on the tree. He could have missed him. But Jesus must have recognized him in the sense of he, he worked harder than anybody to make sure he could see Jesus that day. God must have been working in his life. There was something drawing Zacchaeus. There was enough curiosity there that there needed to be an encounter, a conversation. So Jesus stopped walking and he started that conversation. Zacchaeus' life was changed that day. I mean, it's a radical change. He started by giving away half of his money. He was changed by God's saving power. Let me ask you, how is God at work around you? He is, you know. Could God use you for his plans to connect with some other people that they might come to know him and his salvation? So if you've got the sermon notes there in the bulletin, there's a couple blanks to fill in. The first one is this, that God works through people. God works through people. From page one of the Bible, God shows us that he's always been working in the world. God takes the initiative and he involves people in his work. He works through people to accomplish his purposes. When God was going to build, when God was going to judge the world, he came to Noah to tell him he was going to do this awesome thing. It was going to be terrible and horrible, but also uh, uh, awesome at the same time. And he needed someone that would go and do his work and prepare for this flood. And he was going to accomplish it through Noah. Uh, we just got back from the ark encounter. Noah was 500 years old when God came to him with this challenge. He was 600 years old when he finished the ark. You move a little slower when you get old. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> when God was going to build a nation for himself, he came to Abram and Sarah. He was going to carry out his plan through a 100-year-old man who was going to, his wife was going to have a baby. Wow. When God heard the cry of the children of Israel and prepare, was preparing to deliver them from slavery in Egypt, he appeared to Moses, the burning bush, remember? And he revealed that what he was planning and he was going to use Moses to go to Pharaoh and deliver the Israelites through him. And examples like that can be found in both the Old and the New Testaments, confirming that God works through people. When Jesus came to carry out God's plan to redeem a lost world from sin, Jesus gathered 12 men, disciples, to prepare them to carry out his mission when he was gone. In this room, 
There are people with stories of how God has called you, has placed you in specific places, in relationships, in families, where you can see his purpose, how it was being lived out through your life. And your stories, your testimonies affirm that God works through people even today. Praise God. If you don't have that story, do you believe that God could be calling you? Keep your ears open because he works through people. Here's the second thing I want to emphasize. We've got to be watching for God's activity. Watching for God's activity. So here's some things only God can do. Causing people to seek him. Revealing spiritual truth. Drawing people to himself. Convicting of sin. And when you see one or more of those things happening, you know that God is at work there. He's active when someone begins asking you about spiritual issues or whenever someone begins to understand spiritual truth, whenever they experience conviction for their sins, God is active. Whenever someone comes to Christ, he's right there. It's God at work in this world. In high school, I carried a Bible on top of my textbooks between classes. And so when I would sit my books on my desk, I would have a Bible sitting there. I, I, I looked on Google to see if I could find that Bible. It was called the Jesus People Bible. And on the cover, it had color pictures. Now, I grew up back in the 70s, so this is Jesus Revolution stuff, if you've seen the movie. And I grew up, and, and there were long-haired hippies that were coming to Jesus, and he, he was changing their lives. And that Jesus People Bible had these color pictures of long-haired people worshiping God, praying. I mean, it, it, was, it was pretty cool. The, the pictures drew attention. And I can't tell you the number of times that I would lay that Bible down on my desk and, and someone would look at it and go, what is that? <laughs> what are they doing? Well, well, that's an open door. You don't have to be a pastor to walk through that door, right? What is that? What are those people doing? And I had a lot of conversations about God and his word because I carried the Jesus people Bible. I could not find a picture of it. It's way before the internet, so it's not out there. <laughs> but that, carrying that Bible and hearing those questions helped me to see that God was active right there where I was. A story from the book Experiencing God goes like this, that Jim had worked hard to get to the position he held at his job. For years, he'd focused on climbing higher in the company. And God began to convict Jim that with all of his success, he had never asked God why he placed him in his influential position. So Jim began to pray and asked God to open his eyes to see what he was doing at his company, what God was doing at his company. And that week, one of his coworkers began to ask him questions about the Bible. And when Jim answered his questions, the employee asked him, how do you know so much about the Bible? <laughs> and he asked Jim what he could do to know as much as Jim did about the Bible. God was working. Suppose you were in Jim's place, a coworker, a fellow student, a neighbor, a family member begins to ask you spiritual questions. How would you find out what to do next? 
Well, I have some ideas, <laughs> okay? You may want to write some of these down. First, you got to pray. Pray and then watch to see what God does next. He knows what to do. You may not know what to do. But where is God's upper story intersecting with the lower story where you're living? God has ways to bring people together in conversations and relationships. Don't miss your part in that, okay? Tune in and ask God to help you see it so you're there and you're ready for, and you're ready for it. Secondly, make the connection because you can see all of that and then just kind of freeze, right, and not do a thing. So as you pray, God, show me where you are at work. Make the connection between your prayers and what you see happening in people's lives. God will often surprise us with how clear it is that he's working in somebody's life if you're tuned in through prayer saying, God, show me. And then you'll know the next step because you'll watch it unfold right in front of you. Third thing I would say is find out what God is doing by asking questions. Don't just let them say something out to you without having a response. Do you want to talk? You know, after they express something like, well, I heard the Bible says this. Well, you want to talk? Um, or what's happening in your life? How can I pray for you? What do you think God is trying to say through this stuff in your life? Well, that'll start a conversation. A conversation that God will guide and he'll help you with. And, and the fourth thing I would say about what to do next, listen. I know from my younger days of, of, of asking those kinds of questions that then as they start to answer that question, I'm already trying to think, okay, what Bible verse goes with that and what should I say? And, and I just really didn't hear their heart. But listen. And hear their heart and then God will help you respond. So let me summarize what I've said there. How to watch for God's activity. When you want to know what God is doing around you, pray. Ask him to show you. And then watch to see what happens next. Then make that connection between your prayer and what's happening. And then find out what, is God, what God's doing in that person's life by asking questions. Then listen and let God help you respond appropriately to their needs. Here's, here's the last area I want to cover briefly. And that is working where God is at work. This was part of my devotions this week. So let me just share it with you. To one degree or another, every human being has had to deal with the issue of significance. If you base your personal significance on how others perceive you, you'll be forced to live your entire life on tiptoe. Everything you do will be an attempt to measure up to please someone else. If you perceive that your self-worth is based on personal achievement, you can never stop trying to prove yourself. No matter what you accomplish, it will never be enough. Is there another way, a solution to this age-old question of self-worth? And the devotional writer said, yes. See, our significance cannot be based on what we do, but only on living out God's purpose for our lives. And that's what I'm speaking about this morning. Um, we don't choose what we'll do for God. I mean, we don't like create our own plan and say, God, would you bless this? This is what I want to do. We come to God and we say, Lord, what did you make me for? What do you want me to do? What's your plan for my life? 
So God then invites us to join him. So we can work where God's already at work. We just join in what he's already been preparing. Let me just say this, and young people, listen. God will ask you to do something bigger than you can do yourself. Get ready for that. Get ready to be knocked off your feet like the Old Testament heroes of the faith. Who, me? What? <laughs> Lord, I don't think so. How can I do that? Well, you can't by yourself, but you can with him. Remember this, when God's spirit lives in you, you have all the power of God and the resources of heaven to do his work. He'll make it available to you when he calls you and sends you into those situations. Focus your attention on hearing God clear enough that you know what he's asking you to do. Say yes to his call and then join him in his work. Start to walk by faith and not by sight. When God gives you a task and you obey, God will accomplish his purpose in your life. It is the best way to live. God is at work. God is at work all around us. Can you see what he's doing? Some of you might have stories from just this week. I would certainly be interested in hearing those. Let's talk while we eat a cupcake. All right. Can you see what God is doing around you? If not, would you ask him to show you? Would you just open the door and say, God, I, I really don't see what you're doing around me. And Pastor Fred says, you're at work around me. Could you show me something like that? If you ask him to help you see it, he will help you see it. And if you see it, then will you say yes to God? Okay, God, I'm going to join you in your work. Would you bow your heads with me? And would you just tune into God and say, here I am. And if you've already sensed what I've been talking about and, and this message is just kind of a, a confirmation like, that was God trying to show me something there. Would you just acknowledge that to God and say, okay, God, I get it now. I see a little better what you're doing. And would you just come into agreement with, with his purposes to say, I may not understand it all, God, would you, would you make it clearer? And, and then I just want to say in advance, Okay, I'm here, and, I, and you can use my life. You can put me in that situation. Strengthen me for, for the task. Give me what I'm going to need, the words, the ways to respond. Just confirm that, your availability to God. And if you're, you're on the other side of the listeners here in the room today and say, I... I haven't seen what God's doing. I really don't know. Would you ask him now to show you? I know he answers that prayer. So then when you leave here and you go out into your world this week, you just each day tune into God. Maybe that wake-up prayer of God, okay, new day, here I am. Will you show me today? 
Will you just make it clear what, what you're doing and what I'm supposed to do in response to that? And I tell you in advance, my answer is yes. You can use me. You can put me in those situations because I know you'll help me. And as you make that commitment to God, the amen is the so be it. Okay, God, let it happen. So be it. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. May he be gracious to you and turn his face toward you as you go. May you hear his voice and walk in stride with his spirit. God bless you. Amen and amen. Let's go celebrate our graduates, and then let's go serve Jesus. You're dismissed.